Welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental justice stories from across so-called Australia and around the world. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on unceded Wurundjeri country and broadcast around the continent via the Community Radio Network. My name is Priya Kunjan and it's good to be with you today. In today's program, you're going to be hearing the second part of a two-part conversation that I had in early September 2023 with Professor Katerina Tewa and Itinterunga Ray Bantes. Katerina and Ray had joined me to discuss the colonial history of phosphate mining on the island of Banaba, as well as the fight by Banabans for reparations and an end to extraction. The conversation occurred in the context of a push this year by Australian mining company Centrex to conduct phosphate prospecting activities on the island under the greenwashing premise of rehabilitation. Today, we pick up where the first part of the conversation left off and look towards the future of Banaba. Katerina is an interdisciplinary scholar, artist, and award-winning teacher of Banaban, Ikiribas, and African-American heritage born and raised in Fiji. She is Professor of Pacific Studies at the School of Culture, History and Language, College of Asia and the Pacific at the Australian National University, and a Senior Fellow of the Higher Education Academy. Ray is of Banaban and Kiribati origins and was raised and educated in Fiji. Ray's environment and social justice work are linked to Kiribati people's histories and the extent of environmental degradation caused by extensive mining. Again, remember that this week, you're hearing the second part of my conversation with Katerina and Ray. So if you didn't catch that first part, head back to 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters for the podcast. Yeah, maybe I can put it in a bit of like historical context as to why it's so complicated in the present. Um, When the mining, the mining finished in 1980, and before that, Bonapin sued the British High Court. They took them to their own High Court, and they also took the company. They sued the company, and they sued the British Colonial Administration. They lost, and then um, the mining stopped. And they instead of Bonapins wanted independence, like Nauru, mm. but instead they became part. The island became part of Kiribati, so it became a part of the new Republic of Kiribati. And then the Banabans who were on Fiji because the colonial administration had bought an island for them in Fiji from their mates who owned the island. (laughs) You know, it's like one hand pays the other hand to buy them an island. They ended up in the independent country of Fiji. So between the two worlds and then Australia, New Zealand and Great Britain who owned the company that did all the mining just stepped right out of the picture. They said they washed their hands of the whole event and they let Fiji and Kiribati work out what on earth and how on earth anyone was going to look after the Banabans and the independent country of Kiribati sort of saw Banabans as a little bit like agitators because they want they wanted their own independence so there wasn't a lot of friendly relationships between Banabans and this new country <laughs> that they now belong to. So Banabans actually have rights as Banabans in Kiribati. Like if you want to travel to your home island, you don't need a visa. You don't need anything. If you're Banaban, you can get there, but you don't have too many other rights other than that. You like, you can get home, go home, hang out there, but there's no ships that go there and there's no planes that go there. So nobody's really getting there. And then in Fiji, 
because Fijians were like, oh, this is a new community. Okay, you know, like sort of incorporated, but not really properly with not great oversight and services and support and electricity and mm. anything. There's no no electricity, electrification on, on Rambi still. <laughs> We've been there 77 years, you know, barely like a vehicle or and one road. And it, 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 Bonobans just kind of fell straight through. Yeah. You know, so both. Yeah, as oh. as as Ray said at, at the outset of of that response, um, and it's it maybe it seems like you know one of those patterns that gets repeated in so many places where uh, you know colonizing countries uh, come in, decide what loot they want, and then uh, impose uh, impose uh, administrative systems uh, onto various areas that they've carved up, and then say you deal with it, we're out. Um, and so you know this is obviously left Bonobans in a in a really I guess, um, in a formal sense, politically disempowered position, but obviously not in a sense of um, community authority and uh, determination to continue fighting uh, for, you know, asserting that mining never happened again on Banaba. And so um, I'm, yeah, I'm interested because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the parallels between uh, Bonaba as a source of life for Bonobans and uh, and also as a source of life in the sense that phosphate is a, a massive, um, you know, contributor to the Australian agricultural industry. And that's, you know, such a crucial part of uh, mining the island is to then fuel life making while death making in one place. And so, you know, can you tell us a bit about uh, Australian mining company Centrex is now lobbying uh, the Rabi Council, Rabi Council of Leaders, and uh, concerns about that lack of consultation and transparency with the broader community of Bonobin landowners. Because um, you've really um, contextualized this longer history of colonial governance tactics that have positioned the island as a site of extraction. But can you tell me a bit about how that then relates to this renewed push? Um, because as you've said, mining ceased in the 1980s, but now there's a threat that it's going to start again. So Katerina and then Ray, do you want to add? Yeah. So um, the I think the other little piece to, to think about is um, there's something called the Rambi Council of Leaders, which was set up to be some, you know, a system of governance and democratic representation for the Banabins, um on Rambi, in Fiji, and then also in dialogue with uh, the island of Banaba and the Kiribati government um, in Kiribati. And that council was suspended uh, under the previous Fiji government uh, administration, and they suspended lots of councils. And um, but but suspending the Rambi Council really was a problem because no other systems of representative governance were able to to function um, and exist in that space. And so, like you're already in a kind of a Bermuda Triangle of governance, and then you're like really in an extra uh, Bermuda Triangle. So so Rambi Council has not been reconstituted in the new under the new government in a way that is representative there there's a single like kind of a colonial hangover individual role called the Rambi administrator it's a bit like your old resident commissioners from days gone by and a lot of uh, 
that person has a lot of um, administrative um, authority and it was the person in that role who signed this deal with Centrix for prospecting. It was essentially for prospecting, which means have a look around, figure out how much phosphate is left and, you know, the grade, it's, it's all high grade uh, phosphate, uh, but how much is left and would that suit many of these markets that still exist? Uh, now, my understanding is in the semiconductor industry semiconductor industries use phosphoric acid, which is what happens to phosphate rock, rock when you add sulfuric acid to it. Um, but the, those markets are very hungry for high-grade phosphate um, at the moment. So even though they signed this agreement uh, for prospecting, which then they played down and said, it's just having a look around. It's just a feasibility study. It's just feasibility. Um, they didn't consult to the community about even signing on quote unquote a feasibility study. And that word does not re represent the impact of 80 years of mining, like trying to make it sound like somebody's going around with a pencil and a notebook going, oh, this looks nice. Here's some data for you. Um, it represents like 80 years of extraction and the impact of that for the community. And because everyone's a landowner, it's really quite triggering for people to think about any any proposition for mining, but very important to kind of contemporary greenwashing tactics. They call the initial proposal um, a rehabilitation proposal, which meant everyone was like, rehabilitation, this is such a lovely word, but mining companies don't go into ventures for rehabilitation. They are commercial entities. They have to make their money, they have to, the investors need to make a profit. And so they called it a rehabilitation proposal. And then when you looked at it, it was a remining mm. exploration with some, you know, maybe leveling of the land, which is, and they didn't talk about a cleanup. And I should mention that when the company left in 1980, there's no clean up. That is an asbestos riddled wasteland of industry with broken stuff everywhere rusty broken stuff everywhere so by using the word rehabilitation to imply that somebody is benevolent benevolently coming in to like clean and re rehabilitate and then hand data over to the butterbins about the the possibilities of of remining you know to do that to a people who've had honestly like a series of con artists over the years come through making money of whatever little profits existed in the industry was, you know, really quite devastating um, for a lot of people. And Ray's been at the front line of like talking with uh, village elders and, you know, chairman about how we can raise awareness and education amongst our own people. When you look at documents that say rehabilitation, um, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it's really, playing with words and playing with fake news in a way that um, is, is very sad, but that's the reality um, for our people on the ground. And Centrix is an Australian-based company. They already have a mine in Ardmore where they've been doing phosphate mining up there. I believe they're registered in South Australia. And they kept saying, we've talked to the Rambi Council, we've inked an agreement, they are the authority. But it, Again, Rambi Council is one entity, the Rambi administrator is another entity, and then you have people. You have the people, and the people need to know what's going on. Um, so yeah, Ray's been working with the people on the ground on all of these issues. Yeah.
You're listening to Earth Matters, covering environmental justice issues across so-called Australia and around the world. On today's show, we've been speaking with Professor Katerina Tewa and Ray Bantes about phosphate mining of Banaba and efforts by the Banaban people to resist this over the island's history of colonial extractivism. Remember, this is the second part of a two-part interview, so if you've missed any of this show or want to listen back to part one, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters for podcasts of all our past programs. You can also listen to Earth Matters on iTunes and Spotify, so give us a review and spread the word. Uh, uh, we've been able to kind of just back off uh, Centrix from the, you know, from the deal, because of course uh, our people are tricking or maybe are getting Centrix to think that they've done their bits of consulting the people to get the, you know, the consent. The consent. Uh, so Centrix part, uh, Centrix had to come and respond to the media to stop everything until the proper consultation has taken place. And there's other elements of these uh, signed agreement, which uh, we are hopeful we will get, you know, more, more uh, details about the, the deal that was signed off on 15th August of 2023. Yeah. Mm. This yeah. is not the first time. Last year, I also had the same battle with the same people uh, and they were stopped uh, from uh, registering a exploration company in Kiribati, uh, and that was facilitated by the previous administrator after analyzing the you know the the agreement uh he came back uh saying that everything that's in the everything that's in the the agreement has no rehabilitation you know, they, they labeled it as a rehabilitation project, but it's all extraction uh, and mining. There wasn't any rehabilitation. So they stopped it last year. And, uh, you know, when we had our new administrators of Banaban Origins, this this document has been revised and then resurfaced and is the one trying to to facilitate uh, the Fiji and the Kiribati side of uh, registration to ensure that the work is done by Centrix. Yeah, it just seems totally disingenuous the way that Centrex have come into this and also decided who they're going to speak to uh, and how negotiations will be done in a way that is favorable uh, to the company rather than, you know, representative of the concerns of Bonobin landowners. And so, you know, it comes back to that sort of colonial divide and rule and, uh, you know, jurisdictional kind of tactics that then all of a sudden magically leave the island available for further um extraction by you know various foreign interests and this time centrex um and yeah just um you know appalling that the um that this idea of prospecting which i think we all know that prospecting is a first step um rather than uh you know just some innocent look around um the the idea that that's being framed as rehabilitation i mean just echoes again uh, so many colonial mining processes that we've seen, you know, across this continent, across the Pacific, um, all over the place where, um, you know, extractive industries are happy to take and use land, use up the resources that they think um, that they want to get out of the land and then um, give poisoned land back to communities once they've done what they what they want with it, um, if it ever gets given back at all. And so, um, Ray, 
I think uh, it would be good to to close out on um, hearing about what uh, Bonobans have been campaigning for uh, in terms of some of the key demands that are recentering Bonobans self-determination in relationship to the island um, in this campaign to end mining and prospecting on Bonoba. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, the last three years we've been working with our communities in Rembi and also supporting the council during uh, the former the former administrator's time uh, on a voluntary capacity and We've been looking at, uh, you know, reparations because there are so many countries who owe us a lot uh, to revitalize the island. And so this work has progressed. We had our first exhibition in Auckland, New Zealand early this year, uh, following that conversation to really put the Barnaban agenda back to the New Zealand uh, people. So uh, because, you know, much of our history was never documented, even in countries that uh, uh, benefited from our phosphate. We are nowhere in the curriculum, the education system. They don't teach their people uh, what they did uh, to, you know, to the Barnabans. So that was important for us to come back. That was building on the work Professor Katarina did on a project called Project Barnabin. Our one, uh, we came in with uh, some of our people from Rambi to actually have that human, uh, you know, connection through stories uh, coming right from the islands. So uh, it was a complementary project uh, what the professor had done. And uh, that was all part of that call for reparation. And we had a very good audience with the government of New Zealand through the Green Party. We had two MPs from the Green Party that attended and the conversation continues uh, to put this agenda of reparations first and foremost over anything else. Because there is no risk and harm in asking for reparation uh, because they owe us a lot. So that was the work that we are very committed to as, uh, as of, 2021. We are going back to New Zealand end of this year uh, to continue the discussions on what that preparation will look like. We also had, uh, Professor and I also had a time with uh, one of the Labour's MP in Australia. Karina Garland. Karina Garland. Mm -hmm. Same messaging, same messaging around reparation uh, because Australia also has that responsibility. Last week we had a conversation with one of the diplomats from the Climate change, I think. Mm. Uh, Matthew Fox, mm. and we asked them the we asked them the question from DFAT, from, yeah. from DFAT, but sadly they didn't have uh, the no answer. No answer. <laughs> uh, just to acknowledge some of those uh, darkest Australian history, uh, because they're so committed in uh, you know stepping up uh, to the indigenous issues on this land in Australia, but yet they've not really you know they always keep the Barnaban, uh, they always ignore the Barnaban. Uh, area of, uh, you know, uh, what they actually contributed to the extraction and uh, the displacement, displacement mm. the dispossession and all other issues. And yet this Australian company is resurfacing, an Australian registered company, and we've been making noise on, you know, uh, the Australian media, but no one is taking, you know, a stand to say like, hey, what's happening? These are the same people that extracted mm. Barnabin are coming back. Uh, you know, so we we are working on the, you know reparations. We are mm. asking for reparations. Then we had a petition that we circulated and translated in the Tetan the, Kiribas. The Barnabans lost their Barnaban language because of the migration and the histories around you know Christianity translation of the Bibles. So we're using the Tetan Kiribas and we translated all this petition uh, demanding the re revocation. What did you say? Of the agreement. The announcement yeah. of the agreement because he has signed the agreement blindly. We want that revoked. 
And the second ask uh, was, you know, for administrator to be removed from office uh, because he has done something that's really uh, sensitive uh, and not following all the due diligence uh, because alone he's not the only landowner on Barnaba to be doing all of that, uh, you know, mm. uh, for everyone uh, because everyone are entitled and deserve to know uh, what this contract looks like. And then also uh, there was a good uh, goodwill payment that was part of the deal. We're still asking Where's the goodwill payment and who who, who received, received it? Yeah. Yeah. And the last one, uh, the last ask that we had was the reinstatement of the Rambi Council of Leaders. And normally we would have uh, uh, nine elected uh, members of the Rambi Council of Leaders, which provides a very safer democracy for us uh, because we elect these people from the community and it's a democratic uh, you know, process where you put in people and you can take them to task and you get to hear more about what's happening with our development because they're there and they're in our communities as well. With what we have right now, he's a very silver-based, uh, city-based uh, administrator, uh, just providing oversight uh, support for the island and doing things with the silver people, our people in Suva. Uh, in secrecy, a lot of secrecy and so much that we don't know about. And uh, that's that's been, you know, yeah, so I thought I just started with reparation because that has been the work, but not other things that we you know that's coming up. We don't support mining, mm. and we're very clear with our stand. Yeah, yeah. Term, no more mining is probably the, the the main goal. You know, we don't want this island mined any further, and in fact, we want we do want it restored. We think that is very possible. It is possible to ecologically um, and culturally restore the island and maybe safeguard it as a source of culture and heritage and you know ancestral connections uh, for future generations of Banabans, but also maybe you know as a, a site for the world <laughs> to learn about you know the impacts of extraction and of phosphate mining and and of global agriculture which contributes to climate change all of these things create climate change they're not separate from climate change so you know that's probably a long-term goal out of that as well no more mining and let's regrow and restore the island yeah and you know no surprise at all that uh dfat officials have been uh, afraid to have a discussion with the r word reparations in it because uh you know that implies a level of uh complicity but also a level of ceding power and resources back to people that I'm sure they're not comfortable with acknowledging, you know, it's hard enough to get them to do it here, let alone a place that uh, Australia, as as Ray, you've mentioned, and these other countries have actively obscured from the national imaginary as a place that we have a complicity uh, to in terms of the extractive industries. Now, um, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, but is there anything else that either of you would like to add before we wrap up? No, I think just thanking you for your time. Uh you know, and having this conversation. Yes, we really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, share these stories. And we know there's a lot going on. There's many different issues, you know, there's there's so much tragedy and so much loss um, throughout the world. And, you know, people are imagining future loss and damage and everything else. And I guess, you know, we firmly believe that you, you can only change how you act and change your behavior by learning more about the past and actually dealing with the past and dealing with history, you know, that is that is the best way forward, actually, is that people do have to face these kinds of issues where, you know, 
they have done something wrong and they have to deal with it. You can't run away from it. So <laughs> to, to understand and to figure out what to do in the future, you have to deal with your with your past and that's on every front. So yeah, well, thank you so much. We appreciate um, your time in chatting with us. You've been listening to Earth Matters, a show about environmental and social justice. Today, you heard the second part of a two-part conversation that I had earlier this year in September with Professor Katerina Tewa and Itintirunga Ray Bantes. Katerina and Ray had joined me to talk about the colonial history of phosphate mining on the island of Banaba, as well as the fight by Banabans for reparations and an end to extraction. This week's conversation closed out that discussion by looking towards the future, discussing what restitution and self-determination might look like. If you missed the previous part of the discussion, remember that you can always listen back to our past programs by heading to 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. As with last week's program, we'll have a link to the petition started by the Bonabun community on Rambi Island, Fiji, which demands a defense of Bonabun rights and the prevention of any further mining of the island in our show notes. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on unceded Wurundjeri country. We would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting this program out to you. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters crew, send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook. Tune in next week for more Earth Matters. For now, I'll leave you with the Rambi dancing group's Ai Kakatangi Nanora. It is so unfair.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.